this is Dimitri Martin talking, and you're hearing my voice on and in relation to showbizmonkeys.com. Uh, so thank you, first of all, for doing this. When I started doing stand-up comedy in Winnipeg, I feel like you were just around there a lot when I was starting. So this is a bit of a thrill for me. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad I can uh, be part of the thrill. Yeah, yeah. I completely forgot when setting this up that you're living in Alaska now. Yes. What's the comedy scene in Alaska like? Oh, no, there isn't a comedy scene in Alaska. Well, I should say I live in Juneau, Alaska. Okay. There's no comedy scene in Juneau, Alaska. The population of Juneau is just north of 30,000 people. Very small town. Um, it's the capital city, so it's progressive in certain ways, but uh, it's still Alaska and a little backwards in other ways. But it's such a small town. I mean, I could probably set up an open mic night maybe every second week. Uh, but also, I don't want to perform to a regular audience in a small town. <laughs> Where it's everyone knows you? Yeah, you can't just you can't hide, you know. Like whereas in Toronto, you feel like you're performing to strangers. Whereas uh, you know, in Juneau, I'd feel like I'm performing to the guy who's going to service my car, and uh, you know, yeah, I'd like my car, I'd like my car to work and operate <laughs> and function properly on the road. So, um, yeah, there's no scene in Juneau. There's a little bit of a scene in Fairbanks and Anchorage. Uh, they do a festival up in small festival up in uh, Anchorage and in Fairbanks, Alaska couple of great comics uh glenner and jerry that uh run um stuff in the wintertime but other than that yeah there's nothing going on no I, i've heard a lot of the more northern okay. communities are now starting to like set up festivals and things to fly people up yeah i mean it, it would it makes sense i mean people obviously you know pr probably love the the entertainment and um they're starved for something um but it's hard to get people up just uh, financially on a regular basis. And the wintertime is the only time that people are probably going to go out. Cause once summer hits way up North, everyone's outside kayaking and hiking and, you know, doing something right. to escape the, the misery of winter. So yeah, it would only make sense to do like a festival in the winter and uh, yeah, get comics up. Do you feel like you've moved to the most Canadian of the American States? No, I don't. I feel like a place like Portland, Oregon, is or vermont burlington vermont you know those are cities and states that feel like the most canadian uh no alaska still feels like it's a red state you know so um not that i don't know i just feel like the conservative approach in the united states is much different than the canadian conservative approach although that's probably changing um but no it feels like america here for sure okay you're you're someone who's really had a foothold in both places i feel like equally canada and the states for a long time uh was that a conscious decision or is that just sort of necessity well, i don't know if i've had a foothold in both i mean canada is still where i can tour and make a little bit more money and have an audience that will you know really great audience members that will come out time and time again like at rumors in winnipeg i'm very fortunate that people come out again and again. So depending on what you mean by foothold, I mean, I have experience performing in both countries for a long time. Um, but Canada still feels like home. Um, what was the question? I was just thinking like I, I was watching uh, Humor Resources again. Right. And like the, the comedians who were able to pull 
out for that was pretty equal America, Canada. Yeah, that was the goal was there were a variety of reasons why we decided to cast who we did. Um, And part of it, of course, was, you know, we were making it for the CBC. So, you know, a large group had to be Canadian and we wanted that anyway. But yeah, I had to call in some favors from friends and people I've met along the way. I think it helped that the pandemic had isolated everyone. That was early pandemic as well, where there was, you know, everything was shut down. It was it was takeout only. There were no vaccines available. There was no hope for the future. So I think that helped our cause as well to get people like Sarah Silverman and, uh, you know, Eric Andre, uh, because we paid them pennies, you know, comparatively for their time. Yeah, it was a really hard show to make. Very small crew. Was this small crew because of Alaska or because of COVID or both? A little bit of both, mostly financial. I mean, if we could have afforded it, we would have had a much larger crew in place, but we pretty much did it. I did a lot of the location scouting myself for the things that we needed to do in Alaska. Um, but for the most part, it was, um, yeah, this guy, Gabe, uh, strong, great, great human being. He was our, I mean, he did everything. He lugged equipment around. He lit, you know, he lit the set. He shot it. Um, yeah, he rigged cameras to cars. Um, and we had an assistant, Luke, and, uh, we eventually expanded and we had another assistant, Jordan, and that was pretty much it. You know, there was three crew members and myself running around a forest, getting attacked by a bear that we added in cgi afterwards <laughs> oh so, i mean yeah for people who don't know it's uh the show's called humor resources aired on the cbc with very little promotion and yeah i was the hr manager for stand-up comedians it was pretty light and down the middle we weren't trying to you know sabotage anyone or really hold them accountable i was the idiot trying to hold them accountable for you know uh discretions that they'd made on social media or uh concerns that I flagged in their uh, transcripts of their performances. So, you know, it was a big show to do. And uh, I think we, yeah, I'm very proud of that show. Not a lot of people saw it, but I'm very proud of it. It's great. I was also going to ask if like your family is featured in yes. the show pretty prevalently, how much of that was out of necessity and how much of that was design? Yeah. Well, a little bit of both, a little bit of both for sure. Like Emma, I had been doing, so Emma is my girlfriend's uh, daughter from a previous uh, relationship. And I've been raising her since she's four and a half. She was probably six and a half when we did Humor Resources. Um, so I, I've been making these videos and posting them to Instagram and people seem to relate to them and enjoy them. So she was actually part of the pitch um, because we had to shoot some, the CBC was looking for programming. I mean, they had lost hockey for the time being, they'd lost the Olympics. So they didn't have a lot of programming. So they were eager to finance something. And so, you know, I, we just thought, well, how can we do this show and populate it with people that we're isolating with? So Emma was someone that I'd done these videos with and those videos that existed. And so we used that as part of the pitch and they loved it. So yeah, out of necessity. And also Emma was just brilliant and perfect. I love working with her. So working with her, she's my kid, but uh, I do enjoy working with her as well. Um, and then Christina, we weren't sure, you know, like I knew that she would be great. Uh, but for someone who's never acted before, my partner was in a few episodes and she was, she was wonderful as well. So yeah, it was little parts, uh, born out of necessity, but also, um, you know, it's hard to cast people in Juno. There's not a big scene either. So is Emma really into that kind of stuff now? Like, have you kind of educated her on comedy? Uh, Well, do you consider her the straight man? 
I don't know. I mean, for the purposes of the videos that I make online, um, I'm definitely the punching. Well, no, online yeah. she's the punching bag. In the television show, I'm the punching bag. Yeah. That's one difference. But uh, she's she's pretty. She's she. There's an element of innocence, but she'll also repeat the action and do it again, uh, and have it be very believable. And I think most people think that those videos are just purely her saying it for the first time. When a lot yeah. of time it's not. So yeah, Emma's now nine years old and she's pretty with it. She's very smart and she gets it and she's she's hasn't lost any of her innocence, but she also is, you know, pretty sly when it comes to being funny. She knows yeah, how to yeah. make me laugh in a very adult in like in, in a very uh, intellectual way. Sometimes she'll she'll make me laugh. I'm trying to think of a of a re oh she'll often imitate me in a sarcastic tone, which is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so, her big thing now. And she doesn't laugh afterwards, which is also very funny. That's the sign of a comedian, just making yeah. the joke, letting other people laugh. So she'll she'll do things like, hi, my name's John. Where's my coffee? Where's my car keys? Da, da, da. <laughs> so she's, which is endlessly entertaining when it comes from a nine-year-old. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. um, working for a Canadian network, but shooting in America. Like I know a lot of streaming networks, when you pitch them stuff, they want to have it be a more of an international production. Do you think that helped you? No, not at all. If anything, it hurt us because Canada, they, they were looking for reasons. We, we, we need points for shooting in Canada. Yeah, it would have been much easier if I was living in Canada to make the show. We had to shoot uh, in Juneau, but we set the show in, uh, I can't even remember, Squamish, British Columbia. So uh, yeah, if there's any, you'll see signs that say Squamish in the background occasionally. Uh, we had to send a crew to Squamish, British Columbia to go and shoot exteriors of uh, establishing shots um, to double as Juno. So uh, yeah, had to put in a couple Canadian flags, Canadian references here and there. So yeah, yeah. anything that hurt us that we were shooting in Juno, it's because it was CBC. We're using government money. We had to cheat and we had to cheat the government a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You're up for a Juno for uh, best comedy album. Do you feel like this is a step in the right direction of Canada uh, getting a star system that's a little bit easier for people working in the country? Like the Juno Awards themselves? Or? Yeah, th well, just acknowledging our own comedians, because it's it's a pretty new category in the Junos. Yep. Do you feel like Canada's opening up to a star system or... Oh, I have no idea. I don't really give that much thought. Um, I don't think so. Not in the way... I think the, the idea of a star system is kind of falling apart anyway. It's just, you know, yeah. a lot of this, you know, fragmented media landscape that we live in produces people in different ways and they pop up through different social media platforms and streaming services and Twitch and YouTube. Like there, people can create their own followings and be popular in different ways. So I think a star system itself, you know, doesn't really exist anymore in the way mm -hmm. that it used to and i think especially in canada no it's pretty much the same i mean canada is a tough you know it's tough to to do things in canada you know it, and it's it's great at the same time because the reasons why things become popular in canada aren't always uh because the fans love it it's just uh you know it it makes sense for the their programming money that comes in these envelopes the mm -hmm. different categories so you know Sometimes they just do a show over and over again and it doesn't have a lot of views, but um, other times something can be great and not get made. So yeah, Canada is a mystery to me yeah. as far as I think certain things succeed and others don't. Do you think that the conservative tone of the country just kind of breeds really silly people? 
as far as comedians? I've never been able to answer that question. I don't know. It's I think it's an assumption. Like there are funny people in Canada, yes, but there's funny people everywhere. I don't know. I mean, I think that's what you're asking, right? Like, why are there so many funny people from Canada? Or why does Canada breed? Well, I, I also find that the comedians tend to be like sillier based people. Like, uh, I think yeah. of you and Sean Cullen. And uh, and maybe that's also me coming from Winnipeg is I find a lot of really silly comedians come out of there. Where it's it's not just straight stand up almost. Right. Well, that's interesting. But I'd argue that those people exist in the United States as well. But if I mean, yes, I think generally speaking, God, it's so weird and hard to understand. I mean, I haven't given it a lot of thought, but I do agree. There's a lot of silliness that comes out of Canada, which is great because it's not, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of, you know, political and socially relevant comedians uh but i feel like it's much more so in the united states there's such a mm -hmm. strong political approach to stand-up comedy in the states although that's yeah. you know look at it like mr look at mr show to me it's the greatest comedy program ever made um and i think they did a little bit of both but they never took their foot off the gas when it came to silly they were always silly no matter what but uh yeah i feel like in canada I don't know. Yeah, we're a bunch of drunks and funny people in Canada. Or maybe maybe more so we were. I don't know anymore. But like there was a time when everyone was funny. Everyone loved telling jokes. Everyone loved being the idiot at the party. Like we're right. just all surrounded by funny people. And you know, you the way you'd riff with your friends would be funny. And then I, I used to see that on stage a lot more in Canada, just kind of people traveling the country and making funny jokes. And sure. like, yeah, it was just a very silly approach. It didn't seem like there was stand-up comedy was a means to an end where it felt like when I first moved to the United States, it was definitely for a lot of people, a means to an end. Like, let me get five minutes and be funny and get a sitcom or something. I don't think that exists as much anymore. Yeah. Canada, I felt like, yeah, for the most part, you know, if you were a road warrior in Canada, you were just going from Winnipeg to Kamloops to Saskatchewan and then you were just driving all over the country telling jokes to 200 people in some small town. And that was good. That was your life. It was perfect that way. You kind of touched on, but I was going to say the the album that you're nominated for uh, is under your sister's uh, label. That's right. What was it like growing up with a second funny person in the, the house? Or I don't know how funny your parents were, but the fact that two people pursued it. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was great. I mean, it depends what period of time you're asking about. Like when we were young, it was great. We were hooked on praise for doing silly things. Our parents would laugh and reward us with praise for being silly. Um, I think towards high school, I was definitely like a, a little more of a depressed human being, just wondering what I'm going to do with my life. So mm -hmm. I don't think it was all that funny. But yeah, later on in life, my sister and I were a great team um love making jokes the dinner table was a place to just be silly and try and get my parents to laugh and again get their approval mm. um so but my parents were also you know funny people my dad's definitely funny my mom's funny um yeah um but what was it like growing up yeah it was wonderful my sister and i uh my fondest memories are making my sister laugh for sure hearing her laugh yeah was there competition for that in the household Never felt that way to me. No, you'd have to ask my sister. Um, I might be overlooking it, but uh, to me, it always felt like she was trying to get me. I was trying to get her in the best sense. And I also feel like this is your most personal album or, or hour that you've ever put out. It's the um, only album I've ever put out. Yeah. 
Um, but I agree with you. You can re- it's silly, but it's definitely, you know, most probably the most personal. Yeah, there's some honesty there. You can guess my politics with certain jokes as well. Right. But also you're talking about like having a seizure. Uh, oh. Now you're a dad and moving to Alaska. Has this like changed your comedy in any way or your approach or your voice? Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a new era? Yes. And like, let's say I never moved to Alaska. Maybe I would still be looking at stand-up comedy in the same way, but absolutely. Um, I am much more, I'm telling much more personal stories for sure. Like my next right. album will be, I really enjoy the experience of, you know, crafting material and putting an album out. I'd never done it and I love it. And so the next album is even more personal for sure. Yeah. It is all about, you know, being it, this album was more about worrying about being a dad this is yeah. kind of celebrating but also being frustrated with the idea of being a dad and even uh, uh humor resources i feel like the baseline of the show was always just trying to find a work-life balance yeah was that just autobiographical at the time and like how is your work-life balance now um yeah at the time it was i mean uh we wanted to comment on pandemic life and like the humor resources show every single angle of every single camera shot you see in the show is motivated by cameras that exist in our life so it's either the alexa device the computer a phone um a phone from the dashboard of the car you'll never see unless it's an establishing shot you will never see a shot in that show that isn't motivated by these cameras that live in our lives um and so we wanted to kind of capture the feeling of living in a pandemic and yeah, how you manage work-life balance. Cause you know, schools aren't open. Um, most people aren't having people come into the house to help out as a nanny, like everything falls on the parents if they have kids. So yeah, it was definitely something we wanted to write about cause we thought it would resonate well with uh, viewers. And what was the second part to your question? Pardon me. Just how is your work-life balance now? Oh, it's hell on earth now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, oh, God. So prior to uh, my son being born a year ago, uh, just over a year ago, um, it was myself, my partner, Christina, and Emma. And life was pretty good. I could see the future. You know, Emma's getting older. We're starting to free ourselves up. And then, boom, baby comes along. And now, yeah, it's hell on earth. It's impossible. He does not go to sleep unless he's being held um he doesn't work well jackson does not work well with uh with nannies so yeah we struggle a lot and you got a taste of that just before we started recording this yeah you know? yeah yeah i had jackson in my arms christina's sick um yeah in time out to do this interview i mean it is going to crush my relationship for the rest of the day yeah. uh but that's okay we'll figure it out but yeah no <laughs> it is hard because you can't predict what uh you know, the sensibilities and personality of a, of a baby and Jackson, he needs a lot right now. So yeah, right. no, we're like bounce, forget it. So at the window, I haven't worked in three months. Now I'm really ranting. Yeah, yeah. I have not been on the road. So I am stay at home dad for the time being while uh, Christine is working and don't get me wrong. She still does a hell of a lot, but yeah, oh, of I'm, course. I'm staying home, not, uh, not working. So once I go on the road, that's going to be awful too, because I'm going to miss him. And I'm also going to hear it from Christina. Right. Has sleep deprivation been helping you be more creative or? I'll be honest. I have not been writing that much. Like I'll text myself ideas, um, but no, it doesn't. Sleep deprivation is not helping at all. Okay. Because you have to take advantage of your rest. Like the second he goes down to sleep, you think, 
now's my chance to work. But if you right. don't take advantage of that time to rest as well, anything can happen. This kid could wake up with a fever and before you know it, you're not going to sleep for 24 hours. So no, it, it's just constantly, it's just worry. It's just panic and worry. Don't have children. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. If I take anything away from this interview, it'll be that. Well, good. You are a very like silly person on stage. Does that take a lot of uh, writing and just iron nerve? I don't even know. Well, no, I mean, I think it's, I think I'm a silly person for the most part, you know, this interview is pretty, you know, straightforward and mm -hmm. I appreciate this too. Like this is a fun way to think about, you know, your life and what you do fun way to speak about it um but no i think i'm a pretty silly person for the most part yeah um so that would just be yeah me times a thousand on stage you know okay and it's fun i mean that's the way i'd behave with my friends that's the way i would behave yeah when i'm on stage you're getting a glimpse into me hanging out with my closest friends making ridiculous statements and comments and yeah trying to uh make them laugh that's exactly what you're getting when i'm on stage i notice a thing like uh, even the John Doerr show and um, a big questions, huge answers. Mm -hmm. So it's got an, an element of interviewing. Uh, yeah. Is there something in particular you love about that? Yes, absolutely. I love extracting information in a funny way. And I love playing the idiot. It's just really fun to be. I mean, it's probably Ali G inspired or daily show back in the day inspired but there's something really fun about pretending to be dumb dumb enough you can get away with more um that's an advantage but also you're illuminating you're shining a light on you know uh stereotypes about the world if i have those and think that way and i look to experts to show me uh something different um that's a fun part of doing interviews uh it's also a great way to eat up some time <laughs> without uh, it, it's cheaper like to do you know three two and a half to three minute interviews three times in an episode of the john door show i mean you're looking at six minutes of television that was set up and shot in a morning so that's pretty good yeah did you yeah. have to train yourself to almost sit in that um uncomfortable space no that's my favorite place to be yeah i like it when i feel like i have license to be uncomfortable because when with the john Doe television show we would tell everyone we wouldn't give them the questions but we tell everyone and remind them that i'm an idiot and i don't know any better and that's why you're here you're the expert that's going to inform me yeah yeah so i could get away with just about anything i never felt like it was uncomfortable and if it was yeah. uncomfortable i'd lean into it more uh just a few like random ones i have to know what was it like getting interviewed by larry king oh geez i forgot about that uh he was great he was very sweet yeah that was for our show big questions huge answers the only reason that happened was we had a great publicist at the time that arranged the interview yeah that was for that comedy central special we did um yeah it was great it's a bit of a blur i barely remember what we talked about uh well, but that was his online show and yeah right. he could not have been sweeter or funnier he was great because i feel like near the end of his career he was interviewing a lot of comedians and I right. didn't necessarily know if he knew who they were when he was talking to them. He definitely would not have known who I was until he had read, you know, the press release breakdown for our show, for sure. Mm -hmm. But he was very sweet, very kind and just personable. And 
yeah after the interview like he just he, yeah he works well with his staff you could tell he is not only a pro and a veteran but like a a very sweet funny good guy yeah it was great to hear yeah it was refreshing some of your best stuff online is your conan sets with rory scoville or the um the centaur one how much of that like did you have to pitch that to them ahead of time yeah everything i've done i've had to pitch to them so j well so the booker jp buck he was the one booking stand-up comedy and um my agent at the time would start a conversation and then i'd submit a tape or he'd come see me at just for laughs or something first off he said hey we got to get you on the show so i was originally going to do the mvc show until conan lost that show uh back to jay leno and then right you uh, were the first comic back i think for the conan iteration on tbs on tbs yeah yeah so i've been talking with jp buck and we've been working on that set for a long time and then so once i did my first one then i kind of had a open door well i was able to approach jp and say hey i have something else i'd love to show it to you and then he i'd either send him a tape or he'd come out to the improv in la and i'd show it to him and then yeah you'd either get notes or you wouldn't and you'd go back and forth um but yeah no you'd have to prove yourself and then jp would have to go and pitch it to conan and uh jeffrey ross the the executive producer and they'd have to sign off on it and there was a couple of risky ones in there but uh yeah that's it that was that process this is a really deep cut but i think the other person in the horse costume was levi mcdougall that's right yeah yeah we were we were hoping that it would be matthew broderick that was the big one was at the end when the centaur costume comes apart uh it was matthew broderick back there the whole time so only to use him at the very end to wave and say good night i thought oh that's awesome but they yeah it wasn't able to work out so but yeah Uh, levi yeah another uh canadian comedian writer for the conan show you've had such a bizarre career in like it's just diverse do you have any particular like for you career highlights oh my god sure i mean so far i I mean i hope they're still coming yeah i'm happy with everything i mean i studied tv broadcasting at algonquin college in ottawa solidified what i wanted to do work in television and write and be creative and be Mm -hmm. surrounded by creative people so first show i did out of that was uh daytime television it was called uh daytime on rogers community uh uh, it was a cable access show. And so I did that for three years. And some of that is the most fun I've ever had. Just being able to interview people every day for an hour about weird, you know, the garlic festival or, you know, something local or an author mm-hmm. coming through town like Pierre Burton or, yeah, it was, I mean, that was amazing. And then that, I put a demo tape together of all the silly stuff I did there. And that got me a job on Canadian Idol for three seasons as a weird correspondent. So that yeah. was a ball I to travel the country. And I, I love that show. Yeah, I got to do my own show. I mean, I'm very fortunate, very lucky. And uh, they're all highlights. And then moving to Los Angeles and working on pilots and doing, you know, a network show for a while. Like, those are all fun just to see how that world works. Um, Yeah, it's all been fun. I feel very, yeah, very, very lucky and fortunate. And yeah, hopefully I can just keep, you know, getting lucky because uh, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> the acting needs shoes. So yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll let you get back to Jackson. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, Andrew, this has been great. Thank you. Very thoughtful. I appreciate it. And, and good luck with the Junos. Hey, thank you very much. A person who is gingerbread, stream it, <laughs> listen to it. 